You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. So what I want to share here a little bit this morning, so this is, I don't know, just for me, um, I guess a lot of of things here, uh, yeah, if we can just move that down a bit, that's good, there, great, thanks. Um, Like, I don't know, I've... uh, you know, been, uh, I guess, reading the scriptures, the Bible, the word, whatever you want to call it, since I was a kid. And and to me, like, the number one thing is that, uh, you know, the word has to work. Like, it's got to be something that's that actually works in your life. It's, um, you know, I uh, the story of the, the guy that, uh, you know, he... Uh, he went went to church, you know, and he's going to the church for quite a while. And uh, so he, uh, anyway, one day he came to church and he had this Bible. And this Bible, just this little thin Bible. And uh, so the pastor was asking him and he said, uh, he said, you know, how come your Bible's so thin? And he said, well, I've been going here for several years, you know. And, you know, he said, well, this, this is not for us today. And that passed away and this doesn't work. So I tore all those pages out and this is all I got left, you know. So, so. So anyway, but the whole thing is, is that, uh, you know, God, God didn't give us this so that, uh, um, you know, it would be something that, uh, you know, we could sort of pick and choose, you know, God, this is God's word. And so we either believe it's God's word or we don't believe it's God's word. And that's kind of the bottom line of it. And, uh, you know, it says in Peter that holy men of God spoke as they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. And all these things are written, it says in Corinthians, you know, for our admonition, uh, admonition so that we could have hope, you know, on whom the ends of the world have come. Like, so God, God's given us something to take us from wherever we are right now in our relationship with God to wherever we're supposed to be, okay? And uh, really everything that... Um, you know, God's already set stuff up in our life so that we can, uh, um, you know, we can be successful and, and uh, you know, we can achieve what he wants for us. Because every one of us has gifts and callings in our life. Like there's nobody here that God doesn't have planned for your life. Okay. And a lot of times, you know, we've, I guess, heard that, you know, uh, sort of that sort of saying, you know, God has a plan for your life. Well, it's true. He really does have a plan for your life. And he wants you to be the best you that you can be. So it's not just a question of, uh, uh, you know, that, um, you know, whatever you do, your nine to five job or your eight to five, or if you're like Matt, you know, eight to 14 hours or <laughs> whatever. Anyway, Matt, we work, work with him at the office, so he's a good guy. And, um, but, um, you know, God wants the vision and the thing that's inside of your heart to be expressed in your life. Okay, like he has you here for a purpose. And if you wonder like what that purpose is, you know, what is it, the passion, the thing that drives you, the thing that you always think about when you're not thinking about anything else? You know, what is it, the desires that are inside of you? Because that's the thing that God wants to fulfill in your life. You know, he doesn't want you to waste 10 years, 20 years, 30, 40, 50 years, and then at the end of that time, like there's nothing there that you really are fulfilled in. Okay? That has nothing to do with what I was going to talk about this morning. But anyway, <laughs> somebody needed that, I guess. But um, so, yeah, you know, it says Hebrews 1.3, you know, that God upholds 
all things by the word of his power. You know, and Psalm says that, you know, uh, his word's a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. And, um, you know, so uh, in fact, in Psalms it says, says that he's exalted his word above his name. He's exalted his word above his name. So this is, uh, you know, having the opportunity to speak to you uh, this morning, I take this very, very seriously because, you know, you can mess people up by giving them the wrong stuff sort of thing, right? It's like if you ever been to a restaurant, you went there and you came out after, and, oh, something's not uh, sitting right, you know? So I don't want to give you anything like that, you know, that you're going to get indigestion. So... Uh, from uh, what we're going to be uh, talking about here today. So mainly we're going to look at uh, two different portions of Scripture, uh, kind of going to focus on anyway, and the one is Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 to 10, which you're pretty familiar with. I'm sure you've heard, if you've been in uh, church for any length of time, you've probably heard several messages from that portion of Scripture, and also uh, Proverbs chapter 3, 9 and 10. So if you just remember chapter 3, verse 10, whether it's Proverbs or Malachi, we'll be in the kind of the same, uh, uh, be easy for you to remember anyway. And uh, so we want to take a look at that. And uh, so Pastor Hayward had talked uh, a little bit here last week, uh, you know, about about tithing. And, uh, you know, this, this portion of scripture here, uh, you know, was a real, um, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say a stumbling block to me, but it really bugged me. <laughs> You know, when you see stuff in the scripture, again, you know, you're reading something in the word and it says one thing and then you look at your life and your life is something totally different. Do you know what I mean? Like, so there's the scripture and then there's your life. And you're thinking like, you know, why does this not match up? You know, either this is true or it's not true. Is that right? Like either God's word is true or God's word is not true. Like there's no in between there. It's not. It's not like well, yeah, we can take this one, you know, or and leave that one out. You know, it's it's like you say, either it's the truth or it's not the truth. And so, so the thing is, if you you come across portions of scripture where they don't match up with your life, then either you or God has to change. Okay, does that make sense? And I don't think He's going to change. <laughs> You know, he says, I'm the Lord God. I change not, you know, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever in Hebrews chapter 13. So, you know, he's not going to change. So if there's something in there, so a lot of times uh, what it is is just that we don't see the whole picture. So so I came to this uh, passage of Scripture, and I'd heard this preached uh, you know, uh, I've been going to church since I was, my grandfather took me to church, and I'm not here to give my whole testimony or nothing like that, but, um, you know, since I was sort of being carried to church, and uh, and uh, anyway, uh, you know, so like I've heard lots of messages on this, but it says here just, uh, and this is from the King James Version here, uh, Malachi 3, it says, will a man rob God, yet you've robbed me, but you say, how have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? And then it says, you're cursed with a curse, every one of you robbed me, even this whole nation. Then it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food or meat in my house, and test or prove me now herewith in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour for you out a blessing that you won't have room enough to receive it. Okay, so so now the, the interesting thing about this passage is that um, I've been... Uh, you know, and again, I'm just going to say some things and I'm not, uh, you know, uh, I'm just like you. I'm not, uh, you know, I work or run a business or whatever and, and um, you know, uh, not any better or any worse than you, I guess you could say. But just, uh, 
some of the things that I've, I've seen in here. Uh, it just, it's helped me, and the whole purpose of this this morning is that hopefully something that I say this morning will click with you and will help you, okay? That's the whole idea, because even as, you know, as leaders in the church, you know, if you come here week after week after week and you go away the same way that you came, then we're failing you. You understand, if you're not changing, now, I mean, you could, you know, have a hard heart or something like that, but I'm just saying just generally, if you're looking for answers and you're not getting them, then we're doing something wrong, okay? Because you should be, you, you should be growing, you should be developing, you should be getting something that you can take home and you can work that and see a difference in your life, whether it's seeing your, you know, your loved ones uh, get saved or seeing healing in your body or finances or changes in your relationship and just, you know, uh, Joshua 1.8, um, I'm going to get to the messages, hang in there, I'll be there. But you know, Joshua 1, it says that, you know, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But it says you meditate in this day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous. You will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Okay? So if, uh, if God didn't want us to be successful, why did he tell us how to do it? Why would that be in the scriptures if he, if he didn't want you to be successful? Why would he give you the means to do it? See, and, and it says that this word will not depart out of your mouth. You know, the word depart there in the Hebrew, it means to leave its proper place. The proper place for God's word is in your mouth. All right. So, uh, so here in Malachi, so I've been studying uh, Greek and Hebrew since I was about 18 years old, and now I'm years old now. So... <laughs> I'm actually 110. It's just the vitamins and minerals that keeps me looking this good. But, but uh, anyway, so been uh, yeah, so been studying that. Now, I'm not a Greek or a Hebrew scholar. I've just studied people that are. And uh, so so anyway, in this scripture here, like I said, it didn't make sense to me because the the word here where it talks about it says he'll open the windows of heaven. This is a direct parallel. If you want to just uh, sneak back there with me, back to uh, Genesis chapter seven. And this is the, uh, I don't know how much time I have. Like, say, I'm normally used to speaking for three hours. So it's, no, just kidding. So it's, no, so we'll, uh, we'll shorten this up. But uh, in Genesis chapter 7, it talks about the flood. And that's where this, this illustration, windows of heaven. There's only three times in the scriptures that that word windows of heaven. And the Bible is the best commentary on itself. It's only three times is here. And there's one in Kings where it talks about, I don't know if you remember the story where, uh, you know, uh, Israel was being starved out. And, uh, you know, the, uh, 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 the king or whatever sent to Elisha, uh, the prophet, and, uh, you know, and, and Elisha says, uh, you know, because they had a siege against all of Israel. And um, so Elijah, the, Elisha, the prophet, uh, the king sent to him, and he said, this time tomorrow, he said, that there's going to be so much, because they were starving, and the Syrian army had encamped all around about them, so they couldn't get out, and those sieges could last for months or a year or a year and a half or whatever. They would just starve you out until you surrendered. And uh, he said, this time tomorrow, there's going to be so much abundance that it's going to be like, you know, food is going to be selling for pennies. 
you can buy this cow for a penny, this sheep for a penny. In fact, we'll throw in the sheep, you know. <laughs> you know, there's going to be such abundance, right? And uh, the, the servant of the king said, well, if God would open the windows of heaven, how could this thing be? You know, and then, of course, if you're familiar a little bit with Scripture, remember the story of the lepers? They said, why do we sit here until we die? They went out there, and God had made these great armies here, a host of other armies, and they all fled, and they left stuff. It was like, today we would say, like, billions of dollars and food and everything. They just left. They just left as God made him, you know, and, you know, so that was an illustration of opening the windows of heaven. So the other, the, the, but the reference that this is from is from Genesis chapter 7 where it talks about God would open the windows of heaven. And so if you, if you kind of go back there a little bit, so it was, uh, it was a time here when, uh, you know, God caused the flood to be upon the earth. And it says it rained for 40 days. It said the windows of heaven were open and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. In verse 17 to Genesis 7, the flood was 40 days on the earth. Waters increased, bore up the ark. And it says in uh, verse, verse 20, it says that the water was 15 cubits, 15 cubits above the highest mountain. Now the highest mountain is still the highest mountain. Highest mountain is Mount Everest. It's the highest mountain, which is uh, is 28,756 feet high. That's, you know, a little taller than your average building. <laughs> so, and then it was 22 feet above that, so 28,778 feet. And so that's how high the water rose, and, and that, that was in a period of 40 days. So in 40 days, so the water went up about 720 feet per day, or about 30 feet an hour. Because I always thought, you know, when this, you know, I remember reading this when I was a little kid, you know, and, and I thought, I thought, man, you know, if it was me, I'd just start building a raft, you know, just get this raft put together, we'll just float up as the water goes up. But, you know, in one hour, 30 feet, one day, 720 feet, and it kept rising until it was like 28,778 feet of water. And then it took about a year for that to dissipate, Okay. So this is the measuring stick, if you want to call it that, of opening up the windows of heaven and pouring out abundance on you. So is anybody experiencing that, where they got so much, you just can't handle it anymore? God, don't give me any more money. Don't give me any more blessing. No, I can't handle it. No? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I'll take that as a no. <laughs> So, uh, you know, so when I was growing up, you know, because here it always talks about tithes and offerings. It says, uh, you know, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. And uh, so, you know, I looked around and I'd been tithing since I was a little kid. But, uh, you know, I remember getting a little allowance, you know, and at that time it was, you know, because like I say, this is way back when. <clears throat> this is back when you buy a chocolate bar for five cents, right? I don't know if anybody remembers that, <laughs> but... But anyway, you know, whatever, I got a quarter for allowance, you know, and you'd give, you know, or 50 cents or whatever it was, and, and you'd give 10% of that to God, you know, just tithe, you know. So doing that all my life sort of thing. And, uh, but I, and I knew lots of other, you know, believers that were tithing and never saw any of them. Now, I'm not saying, you know, not a lot of Christians that have prospered and succeeding just by using principles in the word, sowing and reaping, giving, that type of thing, but nothing like this. Nothing like this where there's this extreme abundance. And so, like, either this is true or let's just tear that page out. You don't like that page? We'll just rip that one out, you know, <laughs> take that out. <laughs> just sort of pick and choose which ones you like, which ones you yeah, I'll take that. No, I don't want that one. No, okay, that's, no, that's, 
you know so that's not you know how it works obviously but so i saw that in there and just understanding a little bit about you know the scripture and stuff like that and then and then not only that but it says here in the, in uh, in the king james here that says i'll open the windows of heaven and it says that i'll pour out a blessing until you won't even be able to receive it it's going to be so much right and again and that comparison is that from uh you know, back in Genesis chapter 7. Well, so if I, I took this water here and I could pour water out, I'm not going to do that, but but you could pour it out. But actually in the Hebrew and in the Greek translation, which we're going to get to that in a minute, it doesn't actually say pour it out. It says empty it out. Okay? So in other words, he says, I'm going to pour stuff out of heaven, which is what happened in the flood, until there's nothing left there. In other words, you've got it all. I'm going to give it all to you. So there's no no shortage there. And uh, so, you know, so I looked at that, and again, it was just, you know, here's what the Word says, and here's what I'm experiencing in my life. And, uh, you know, when we, uh, my wife and I, saw this kind of revelation in the Scripture, to be, like, just brutally honest with you, like, we were at the point of doing debt consolidation or declaring bankruptcy. That's where we were financially. Okay, and now we're not at that point. <laughs> we're at the other point. <laughs> so, so, but you know, so, so, saw this in the word now. So, one of the things is I thought there's got to be something in here that we're, you know, missing something here, you know? And, um, so started looking at this and, um, you know, again, uh, like I say, you know, been studying Greek and Hebrew for several years. And, and, uh, so one of the things that I noticed that in the New Testament, uh, 95% of all the quotations in the New Testament that you're talking like Jesus or Paul, you, you know, any of the writings, Peter, whatever, are quoted from what's called the Septuagint translation of the Bible, which was written. Septuagint is just a Greek word. It means 70 because there were 70 Hebrew scholars. Actually, there were 72, but that, you know, they called it Septuagint. But anyway, they... Uh, so traditionally, they took six, six Hebrew scholars from each of the 12 tribes 12 times 6, 72. Just helping you out there. So, <laughs> But anyway, so uh, but anyway, they called it the Septuagint. The humor doesn't get any better, by the way, just in case you're wondering on that point. But uh, so anyway, so they had these 70 or 72 Greek scholars uh, that translated. They were all Jewish, and they translated. And the reason was is because at that time, the, the Hebrew language had started to kind of, uh, uh, you know, the Jewish people had been in captivity, etc., and they brought out of captivity and torn from their land. Now they're back in their land. And the Hebrew language was actually kind of in disarray. There wasn't as many people that actually spoke Hebrew, right? And so they, most of the world at that time, they spoke Greek. So there's no sense, there's no sense having a Bible in Hebrew if nobody can read it. So well, there's nobody, but there's still some, but the majority of people, I'm talking Jewish people, you know, they spoke Greek. So they translated this from, you know, what now, like, is considered the, the oldest Hebrew translation of the Bible. And then there's, then later on, the, the Bible that we have, like most people have, you know, uh, New Testament, Old Testament, and the Hebrew translation that we have is from a later translation. Okay. We won't get too technical, but just, but anyway, and the credibility of the Septuagint or the Greek translation of the Old Testament is the fact that 95% of all the quotations in the New Testament are from that translation. 
In other words, Jesus quoted from the Septuagint. He didn't quote from the Hebrew Bible, okay? So if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me, okay? It's good enough for you, right? So <laughs> that's a yes, okay? So, uh, so anyway, so, but even if you look at this, this particular verse here in chapter, chapter 3 and verse 8 where it says, says, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings, so in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it doesn't say you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. It says, you know, but even from that, you would know that, that in here, it's got to be more than just giving your tithes because it says tithes and offerings. In other words, there's two ingredients that make this thing work. And I don't know why, but for years, I'd never clued into that, that there's two aspects of this. But so when you go into the Greek translation, it doesn't say tithes and offerings. It says tithes and firstfruits tithes and first fruits. Now, uh, so, and in fact, in the Greek translation, it doesn't say you robbed me. It says you've stomped on me. It says it three times. You've stomped on me in tithes and first fruits because the tithes and first fruits are still with you. So if you can picture somebody with a boot stomping on God, that's what God's saying here. You stomped on me. And he says it three times in tithes and first fruits. Now, just to kind of back up a little bit, <laughs> You know, because this is getting a little bit heavy in this Presbyterian church, or Pentecostal church. Sorry, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, <laughs> the whole thing is that it talks about this anyway. So this, the picture here is superabundance blessing, but it's based on two things: ties and first fruits. Now, if you go over to uh, go over to Proverbs chapter three and verses nine and ten. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. So this is basically a parallel scripture to, um, to Malachi there. So Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, it says, It says, Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. And then it says, So shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses will burst out with new wine. Um, now one translation says, Pay the Lord what's due to him out of your substance. And then it says, and then give him your first fruits and your barns will be filled with plenty and presses. So this is talking about the same thing. It's talking about something you have, your substance, or it's the same word for wealth or riches. Give, give God from your substance. And then it says the first fruits of all your increase. And then it says, so shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses will burst out with new wine. So the last part of that verse there where it says that your presses will burst out with new wine. I keep walking over here because that light is blinding me. So, <laughs> But at any rate, uh, so, so when it talks about your presses being uh, bursting out with new wine, it's actually an expression from the Hebrew, and it's actually talking about the must of, uh, you know, grapes. I'm not a grape, uh, you know, farmer or whatever. Don't have a vineyard anywhere. Not that I know of anyway. So, uh, but, um, you know, it's talking about having such super abundance that then they would put like grapes into a wine press and then would stomp that and press that down so the juice would come out and they make wine from that. But in this verse here, it says you're going to have so much in there that when you throw the grapes in, there's going to be such weight of those grapes that the wine is going to come out by itself. So much weight that it's going to come out by itself, the wine, okay? Now, I'm not saying you don't have to work for what you get, but I'm just saying that's what the scripture is saying there, you know? In fact, it says that it'll burst out, and actually, again, in the Hebrew, it means it's actually going to break it. Like, you got so much stuff coming in that it's going to break it. You can't even hold it. When we started obeying the scriptures here, I, I remember at... Uh, 
and this is this is about five six years ago and and uh we were taking money to the bank and uh in uh you know how you go to the uh <laughs> my wife is shaking her head <laughs> don't talk about this <laughs> but anyway <laughs> But we were taking money, you know, and because you had so much money, we'd stick it into, you know, the little little uh, drive-through machine there, and you stick it in the money there, and uh, you know, it took us literally, it took us like half an hour to put all the money into the into the thing, and uh, I just felt sorry for the guys that would drive up behind me, you know, because they came to get some money out or something like that, and I well, could be here a while, buddy, you know. So to the point that the bank actually came to us and they told us, uh, would you quit putting that money in there? Could you just bring it inside because it's just plugging everything up like literally that's that's honestly what happened so um so that's that was a good day uh, well good several days <laughs> but um but anyway so so then the other word here it says that your barns will be filled with plenty so that word plenty is only used eight times in the hebrew scriptures once is in ecclesiastes five twelve. you can look this up if you want and it's talking about a rich man that made so much money has so much money that he can't sleep at night because he's worried about somebody taking it okay can't sleep at night now the other place the only other place like i said the bible is the best commentary on itself the only other place that that's used is in Genesis chapter 41 where it talks about Joseph. I mean, remember Joseph. Joseph, you know, and uh, remember the, uh, I mean, there's been several, even if you've never gone to church, you've probably heard about Joseph and about the famine and Pharaoh. And, and uh, so in chapter 41, uh, so it talks about, uh, talks about that, you know, Pharaoh had a dream, right? And so in this dream, there was these, Two different dreams, actually. There was one, I think it was the corn, you know, and there was these big, uh, you know, husks of corn, and there was seven of them, and then there was uh, kind of feeble and kind of, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, sort of drought-ridden husks, and, and uh, the, the seven, seven bad ones ate up the seven good ones, and then there was these seven fat cows, and then there was seven lean cows, and the seven lean cows ate up the seven fat cows. Do you remember that? Is anybody following me? There's, this is yes, this is no, this is I'm not sure. That's a, okay, so we're all on the same page here. But anyway, so so uh, now you can read the whole passage uh, here. But so basically, uh, God told you know Joseph, uh, you know to tell he was given Pharaoh instruction. He said to take twenty percent of the years of plenty, twenty percent, right, one fifth. Take twenty percent, and he said store that up for the seven years of famine that are going to come. And uh, so it says here, and again, this is this is the only other place in the whole Old Testament where the same word is used. So God is giving us, again, a pattern or a measuring stick, if you want to call it, of what he's talking about here when he's talking about plenty, same as when he was talking about the windows of heaven being open, the super abundance, right? And uh, so it says in the seven years of plenty, it says, the, this is verse 47 of chapter 41, it says, the earth brought forth by handfuls, and it says, they gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt, laid the food up in the cities, the food of the field which was round about every city of the same. And Joseph gathered grain as the sand of the sea very much until he quit counting or numbering, it says, for it was without number. See, so it's the same type of extreme example, you know, 
that he couldn't even number it. So I just like, she's no sense even trying. Like it's just so much. And then it goes on here and it says, so then the seven years of famine started. And then if you look over towards the end of chapter 41, it says that the people they began to come to, uh, you know, and according to Joseph said, there's a famine. It says famine was in all lands, all the land of Egypt. There was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, it says the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to the Egyptians, go to Joseph and whatever he says to you, do it. And the famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine was very severe in the land of Egypt. And all countries came in Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was so severe in all the lands. So, so 20% of seven years. So if you took, let's say you're making $100,000 a year, whatever it was. And you took 20% of that. So in five years, you'd have enough for one year, right? Five times 20 is 10. Just helping you again there. No, just anyway, sorry. <laughs> but so, yeah, if you, if you took 20% for five years, you'd have enough for one year, six years. But here it says that these 20% in seven years fed all of Egypt for seven years. Is that what it said? Seven years? It fed all of Egypt, but it's fed the whole world. It says the famine was over all the earth. So just think about that. Seven years of plenty was enough to feed the whole world for seven years. That's a good place for an amen. But anyway, so do you know, like that's God's measure of abundance. You know, like we, like sometimes we get this religious idea, we get hung up on money, you know, and, and stuff, you know, and God paves his streets with gold. Like he's not hung up on it at all. Like it says he owns the cattle of a thousand hills, right? You know, he's a possessor of heaven and earth, you know. He's not hung up on money. But so this is the, this is the extreme, uh, you know, abundance of God. And uh, so when... Well, we saw this like in the word and like I say, we were kind of in desperate straits <laughs> financially or whatever. And, uh, you know, we saw this in the word and we, we knew this would work. So, so just to kind of clarify a little bit and like I say, if you get, if you get the book, we have this back at Action Center. I sound like a, you know, whatever, <laughs> those TV ads, this holy water for just, t- no, just kidding. But uh, anyway, if you go... <laughs> We have these back at Action Central, and actually, Al and Terry put this put these together. But they're they're five bucks. But but this will get you out of poverty. This will get you given, uh, you know, and and money coming back to you. I'm just telling you this works. I'm either telling you the truth or I'm lying to you. It's the only there's only one or two, right? So yeah, I think he's lying. I don't know. <laughs> it's either way, right? So, but anyway, there's a bunch of these. Are like five bucks. You know, they're probably worth a thousand, but you can, you can get them for five. It's a special just today. Yeah. <laughs> and if you buy two, it's $15. Two for. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> so just a special just for today. But uh, so. So now the thing is, is if you, if you understand this, like the, the first fruits part of it. So in, in the, the culture there. 
So basically, like first fruits actually kind of takes more faith than the tithe because the first fruits, you're, you're actually, you're giving something that you haven't seen the rest of it yet. So in that agricultural type society, so the first lamb that was born, you know, the first sheep, the first goat, the first sheave of the harvest, they gave that. They gave that. And then at the end of their harvest, so in other words, they were expecting more of the same of this. But they're believing God. They're counting on God because you could have a hailstorm wipe out your whole crop. Now you got nothing. Right? So they're believing. In other words, they're believing that God is going to provide for them so they could actually give a tenth of the harvest once it came in. Right? Now, you know, like you can, I mean, you can make money other ways and, and, and you know, you can be a Christian and make money. And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, uh, this is the only way to make money. This is just to be obedient to God. So there's lots of Christians that, you know, they, like I say, they, they practice, uh, um, you know, principles of God's word. But it starts, it starts with the tithe. And the first fruits is right in Genesis. Do you remember the story of Cain and Abel? Cain brought, he just brought the produce of the ground. But it says, it says that Abel brought the first lean or the first fruits of his flock. Okay. And it says that God honored, God honored Abel, but he didn't have any respect for it. Because, so somewhere, somewhere they already knew that this was a principle. They knew that it was a principle. Remember Jericho? You know, in the King James, it says it's accursed. But in the Greek, it says that this is dedicated to God. In other words, don't touch the city. This is the first fruits. But what did they do? Achan, remember, Achan took some gold and he took a raiment and took a little bit of this and a little bit of that. No, 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 no. Fiddler on the roof. No. <laughs> but anyway, it's <laughs> nothing to do with the message. Just trying to keep you relaxed here. So, But anyway, so, um, but yeah, and so what happened? There was like, what, 35 people died or something because of what Achan did because they touched the first fruits, right? You remember Eli? Remember Eli the priest? And, uh, you know, uh, God told him, he said, he, he said now, and in in again, in the Septuagint, the Greek translation, it says that you've honored your sons above me in t- taking the first fruits. He lost out on the whole priesthood. You remember Saul when he was supposed to go and he was, he was supposed to wipe out, I think it was, uh, what was the guy's name? Remember the guy's name? He was supposed to <laughs> I'm just looking for some help here. No. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's I could I look it up. I got the notes here, but but he was supposed to wipe out this king, right? Agag, I think it was. But uh, does that sound right? Agag, okay, okay. <laughs> but anyway, so but he didn't, right? And again, same thing. Like like Samuel told him, you know, because because Saul said, oh well, the people just took the in the in the in the Greek it says the the people took the first fruits to sacrifice to you, right? Well, they were supposed to wipe everything out. It was the first fruits. It was the first. It was one of his first battles, and he lost the kingship. It went to David. Right. So I mean, this is you know, this is when you start seeing this in the word. It's kind of like. Uh, you know, if you, if you bought a car, you know, you buy a Jeep or you buy a Toyota or something like that, and suddenly everybody's buying them. Like, everybody's got a Jeep. What's up with this? You know? Well, no, it's because now you have one. Now you start noticing that everybody has one. You didn't notice it before, right? And it's the same, it's the same kind of thing here. You start noticing this. In the, do you remember the, uh, the uh, story in the New Testament, John chapter 6, just in case you think it's just the Old Testament? Remember the, remember the little boy's lunch? 
and Jesus took that and he fed 5,000, you know, because uh, uh, one, of, one of the disciples, Andrew, I think it was, or whatever, he says, well, yeah, he says, there's this little boy here and he's got, you know, two loaves and fishes. And then it says at the end, remember, it says at the end there, it says that they gathered up 12 baskets. Well, the word in the Greek for that basket is actually the first fruit basket. So this little, it wasn't this little boy's lunch. It was the Passover, and he was on his way up to the temple to give the first fruits. Now, the interesting thing about that story is that there was 12 empty baskets. So 11 other people ate their first fruits, didn't give it to God. Otherwise, how would there be 12 empty baskets? There was his and 11 others. Okay? Remember the story in the New Testament about how they laid down the money at the apostles' feet? Okay? Remember the, 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 now it doesn't tell the result of it, but the woman's, woman's might, you know, the, the, you know, Jesus said she's given more than anybody. First fruits. <laughs> I, I believe, it doesn't say she was blessed in there. I believe she was. Just because it works everywhere else in the word, why would it work there? So, but you got to, you know, to, to, to understand this, you, like you've got to get the tithe. And I know for some of you that that may be an issue, like the tithe. People don't tithe because of three reasons to me. Like uh, people don't tithe because either they just don't know what the word says about it. Or sometimes they don't tithe because of fear. Right? Because again, it's the same kind of thing, right? If I got 10 apples and I take away one apple, I don't have 20 apples. I got nine, you know, because you're not looking at the... Uh, uh, you know, sowing and reaping. But if you just, I just want to touch on that really quick and I won't keep you too long here. So we can just, uh, just, just go back to Genesis 14 real quick because I, I wanted to just, and then we're going to go back to the first roots here. You know, it says that, it says that uh, Melchizedek, he came out and it says that he brought bread and wine. And then he talks about how God is the possessor of heaven and earth and he's the deliverer of all your enemies. Okay, possessor of heaven and earth and deliverer of all your enemies. Uh, you know that the tithe is not part of the old covenant? That was 430 years before the law, or what we call the old covenant. You can go over to Galatians chapter 3, and it tells us that the promise made to Abraham was 430 years before. So it has nothing to do with, people say, oh, that's under the law. No, it was 430 years before the law even came into effect. But it was covenant. See, because Melchizedek, Melchizedek came up and he, he brought out bread and wine. And then what did Abraham say when, when the kings, you know, were going to, you know, well, you take the goods to yourself. He says, no, he says, I've lifted up my hand unto the Lord Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. He says, I'm not going to touch anything from you lest you say that you've made Abraham rich. See, the tithe is a sign of the covenant. When we do communion, we do the communion on once a month or whatever. You know, when Jesus said, well, every time you do this, remember me. It's a sign of the covenant. <laughs> you know, what is the covenant? Everything that you have belongs to me. Everything that I have belongs to you. Now, that's a really good deal because I had nothing and God had everything. <laughs> so, hey, I'll take that deal anytime. I'll take that deal all day long. <laughs> right? So that's, you know, that, that was the deal here. So, so this was a covenant. So, so what is the, the tithe? The tithe is that, is that God is your provider. He's the possessor of heaven and earth, and he's the deliverer or savior. We call Jesus the savior, right? He's the deliverer from all your enemies. So he's your provider, and he's your perfect, per, protector. Delivery from all your enemies, whether you're talking poverty or sickness or disease or fear or anything. He's the deliverer of all your enemies. 
So, you know, if you're, I'll say this as nice as I can. <laughs> if you're not tithing, you, you don't even have covenant with God that way. You don't even have covenant. So, so your deliverer is maybe your car or your stereo or wherever your tithe went. You got to get that on track first. If you're not tithing, you don't even, you, you know, so it's either, like I say, either out of ignorance of what the scripture says. In other words, you just don't know, right? Or it's fear. But see, so I'm trying to give you the other half of the equation because then you don't have to be afraid that when you give, and if you give the first fruits, you know, God will bless you. And I'm not just talking about a little bit of blessing. You know, we started giving the, the first fruits, and, uh, you know, it was, I don't know, a little over a thousand bucks or whatever it was. We had this money come in, and, um, you know, like we really needed that money. We had a lot of bills, but we knew this, like this, this revelation was just burning inside of us. I knew this would work. And so we gave, you know, we gave that first fruits, and nothing happened <laughs> for the first two or three months. And then all of a sudden, things went crazy. It went crazy, and in a couple of months, we paid off over $80,000 in personal and credit card line of credit debt, and then we had another seventy or 80000 that we bought the house that we're living in right now. Plus, we gave away thousands. I don't even know how much, because like I say, we were just stuffing money into the, <laughs> like, I have no idea. <laughs> no, I mean, but within two or three months, it was like, I don't know, $200,000, $250,000. Like just, and from what? Just, just obeying what God said to do. So, you know, see, I'm, I'm really pinched me. I was flesh, but no. <laughs> he might, so I don't know. <laughs> but so, you know, like, so we just, we started, we just obeyed God with that. And it's not a, it's not, it's just like your tithe. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a one-time thing. We still, like, uh, you know, in our business, I'm just going to tell you another story. How much time do you have anyway? It's quarter to 12. I'm supposed to be done probably. <laughs> So, um, uh, you know, we had, uh, uh, you know, a company contacted us beginning of this last February. And, well, I'll tell you this way first. Um, so, so whenever, like, the first, our, our year for real estate starts, uh, like, we own Remax here or whatever, right? And uh, we, through the first fruits, we bought that business for about 10% of what it's worth. Okay. So just think about buying your house for 10% of what it's worth. Right, so just through this, okay? And uh, so anyway, um, so whenever, like, the first deal of the year, we give that away, the first fruits. That's the way we do it. We give it, so it's, you know, it's first thing. You know, and so um, so I'm licensed over in Saskatchewan as well. And, uh, you know, I don't know, just whatever happened. <laughs> you know, somehow we didn't clue those two in together and and uh, you know so the first sale that I did over in Saskatchewan last year didn't give the first fruits uh, yeah, so um, you know and uh, you know we were still making good money and everything but just something was not right <laughs> and uh, so so anyway I uh, remember this is back uh, you know, um, we had we had these guys contact us at the beginning of February, and uh, you know they wanted us to buy their property management division here and stuff. And so we went back and forth with them and everything, and you know, for what they wanted to sell it for, and then what we saw their value and everything. And and uh, so finally, about the beginning of April, uh, you know, we uh, we told them, "Well, we'll pay this much for it," and they said, "Oh no, man, there's no way we can." 
sell it for that and stuff like that. Eh? And uh, so, so talks kind of broke off with it. And, um, but anyway, at that same time, it was just really bugging me that, you know, it's just, uh, you know, you have this thing called a conscience. <laughs> but it was just bugging me that we'd missed God and not given our first fruits on the sale. So I asked God, I said, just, I said, just, just show me way, some way that I can make this right. Anyway, because this stuff is, like, it's really serious to me. <laughs> you know, like, say, in, in Malachi, it says, will a man rob God? I'm not a thief. I'm not a thief. So, uh, <clears throat> anyway, so God just, <laughs> you know, he, ma- he made a way that we were able to give the first fruits, and I told Faith, my daughter who runs our office there, <laughs> I can't ever let her quit because then I'd have to hire five or six other people to take her place. <laughs> She's <laughs> in there for life. No, <laughs> so <laughs> no, no. She just does an awesome job. But uh, but anyway, like uh, so. I remember I remember giving the uh, giving the first fruits and and I told her and she you can ask her. I told her I said I said just watch. I said things are going to get crazy. You know, and uh, like I wasn't expecting anything to happen right away. I knew they were going to get crazy. I didn't, you know, because again, it's you're planting seed in the ground. You don't know if it's going to come up, you know, a month from now, three months, six months from now. But in two weeks, this company, they called us back, you know, and they said, you know what, we'll, we'll take that. We'll, you know, we'll sell the company or whatever division for the month, which was about a fifth of what they were asking for, you know, and, uh, so, you know, and so stuff did go crazy. <laughs> and, you know, and then I think in those two months, I think we sold more houses than what we had in six months before. You know, just why? Just because we honored God and did what he says in his word. All right. So, you know, so the, that's his cue that I'm supposed to stop here. That music is playing there. Just <laughs> It's either that or there's somebody coming down the aisle, and I'm I'm already married, so I don't I don't know what's, uh, <laughs> but uh, but you know so uh, <laughs> I told you the humor doesn't get any better, right? Uh, but so you know so the thing is you need to get the tithe because tithe and first fruits because never going to work for you if you don't tithe, and you know even like Pastor Hayward had mentioned. You know, last time, you know, it talks, it's kind of interesting because, you know, in the, in, again, just Genesis 14, everybody at that time in Abraham, like just historically, you can look this up historically, every people group tithed. They just didn't tithe to God. They all tithed. You know, and, uh, the, you know, the example uh, Pastor Hayward mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 13 there where it says, you know, those that, those that live, you know, or uh, wait on the altar, and wait at the temple that they live from the temple. And then it says, it's, it says, so has God ordained that those who preach the gospel should live with the gospel. In other words, this is God's idea, right? But the interesting thing about that verse is that, is that Corinthians was not written to Jewish believers. Paul was the apostle of the Gentiles. See, because even there in the New Testament times, those that served at the temple, now it was, could have been the temple of Diana or whoever, but 
tithes and offerings was still going on. People still recognize that. You know, we think sometimes we're really advanced now, but maybe we're a little backwards from what people actually knew back then. See? So he was given an example. He said, look, he said, guys are still, they're, they're doing this. You know, he was presenting an argument for them to receive, you know, tithes and offerings. But um, anyway, that's a whole other subject. Like I say, usually we, uh, when you're in Thailand and you're speaking to the students, you have, I, when I'm doing it, I usually do a few minutes of worship and then, and then you speak for an hour and a half and then you've got, you know, 10, 15 minute break and then you speak for another hour and a half. And then you do that for two weeks straight and then you're just getting warmed up. But, no. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, like I say, uh, just if you... Uh, if you're really interested in this, 12, 12 pages, 12 pages. I'm, I'm not really a quick reader. I'm kind of an average reader, you know, and I can read this, you know, it's about, takes me about 10, 15 minutes or whatever. You know, I'm like one of those guys, you know, when you go to the movies and, you know, and you have that, that thing roll across there a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. There was, oh, oh, oh okay, wait a minute. <laughs> can you rewind that, you know, because <laughs> you're missing it, right? I don't read that quick. But so it takes me 10 or 15 minutes, so most of you probably five minutes. You know, five, 10 minutes you could read through this, cost you five bucks, right? Or, you know, or two for 15, whichever, right? <laughs> Special that we have on today. But and uh, don't get any money from this or nothing. In fact, all that does is cover the cost of this. But uh, yeah, it'll, uh, could totally turn your life around financially. You know, I, I know, uh, you know, we talk, uh, Pastor Hayward's talked last Sunday there about the tithe and and um, talked about the, um, uh, you know, 1 Corinthians, I think it's 16, and then 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. You know, and it talks about, uh, you know, every one of the purposed in their heart, you know, to give and stuff like that. And sometimes we use that as an excuse for people not to tithe or whatever, just whatever you purpose in your heart. But if you actually read those scriptures... It's actually talking about raising an offering. It wasn't a regular thing. It was raising an offering for the saints at Jerusalem that there was a famine there. And so they hadn't done it the first time. So then 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 saying, look, you guys were ready to do this a year ago. What's, what's the holdup? What gives? Right? And uh, to give it. And, um, but, but anyway, so, so the tithe is just, uh, just an essential, necessary part of your covenant with God. So, anyway, did I beat that horse up enough? Did I get that? You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church place where families connect.